So there we go. Thank you so much, microphone, for working. And thank you, Royce, for that piece, and Ray for <clears throat> bringing Royce to be with us here today. Uh, just a couple of announcements I also want to uh, turn your attention to. If you are interested in the Grand <clears throat> Ensemble Choir, they have a concert here today at 3 o'clock this afternoon with some participation from some of our worship team members. Also, you probably noticed in your bulletin that we have a candidate for the mat leave for the youth pastor position. So next week, she, Kelly Madland, is going to be with us on Friday, also on Saturday for some of our different youth and uh, carnival events. But for all of you that would like to get to know her a little bit more, during the Sunday school time, the adult Sunday school time in the chapel, it's going to be a question and answer time. So all the youth are going to be there with us and everybody else that would like to just meet Kelly a little bit more for that hour, she is going to be there. And so be there at uh, 9.45 for a get to know you with Kelly. We have a special treat today because we have a missionary couple that is one of the missionaries that we sponsor as a church. Ron and Jeannie Sect are here with us this morning. And I had the privilege of being part of the adult Sunday school class. The youth joined us as well. And I just really enjoyed your guys' energy, how positive you are, the interactive educational experience in the class. And it was just a great time for all of those that were able to be part of that. And so they are with us this morning. We are going to watch a little video clip first to get a better understanding of the ministry that Ron and Jeannie are involved in, and then Ron, I'm going to invite you forward to speak to us this morning. So let's watch this video together. There is a nation within Europe that you may not know about. It stretches from Greece in the south to Finland in the north and from the Ukraine to the shores of France, although it owns no land as its own. It has its own languages, culture, worldview and history that dates back thousand years. Its population is around 13 million people, larger than that of Hungary, Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia and some Western European nations. The nation we are speaking of is the Roma nation, a nation within the nations of Europe. 60% of the people in this nation live in extreme poverty. 70% are unemployed. Under 20% hold steady jobs from which they will retire with a pension. These jobs are at the lowest skill level and pay scale. Less than 40% of children in this nation finish elementary school, 10% graduate from high school. Mortality rates for children under 5 is twice that of the rest of the European nations. Their communities are often unhygienic, lacking modern infrastructure, water, electricity and heat or access to basic services such as garbage pickup, healthcare and social assistance. The diseases that accompany the cycle of poverty are common here. Emotional illnesses, heart and lung diseases, diabetes, cancers. Citizens of this nation live on average 10 years less than those of the rest of European Union. 
a high amount of the European Union's relief and aid goes to this nation, creating even greater poverty, dependency and despair. The daily existence of most citizens of this nation is just a fight to survive, with discrimination and exclusion by the rest of Europe in all areas of life. The one hope in the midst of this hopelessness is that this nation is the most responsive to the gospel in all of Europe. But unless the new believers of this nation are discipled in such a way that it helps them break their cycle of poverty, they soon revert to their old lifestyle. What this nation needs is outreach and discipleship like Jesus taught and modeled himself. Outreach and discipleship to the whole person that brings transformation out of poverty to the person and to the community. This is where McHungry comes into the picture. Hi, I am Esther Daruti Chuhai and I work with children and women in Bordeaux and Hungary. I lead a women's cycle of life training in Bordeaux and do Arabic exercises with them. Hi, I'm Laszlo Dorote Chuhai and I'm the head director of the Central Hungary team and the chairman of the Hungarian MAC Foundation. Hungary has a population of approximately of 9 million. The Roma population is about 1 million. Mac Hungary is a member of the Global Chain Network, a network of some 700 mission organizations, NGOs, churches and denominations that employ a strategy called Community Health Evangelism, or CHE, to transform poor individuals and communities. CHE teams work in 125 nations around the world with over 4 million people. CHE teams come to Europe about 15 years ago to work with the poor and marginalized of Albania and Bosnia. Three years ago, MEC was formed in Hungary for the same purpose. MEC Hungary exists to develop wholly healthy people. This is done by using the whole Bible to disciple the whole person to break the bonds of poverty. MEC Hungary also exists to develop wholly healthy churches. Churches that are seeking to meet the needs of the whole person and portray the coming kingdom of God among the poor and marginalized of Hungary. MAC has two goals. First, to build their own teams and do CHE projects in strategic areas to be model communities. Currently, MAC teams operate in East and Central Hungary. Second, to train, equip and resource other churches denominations and mission agencies to move beyond merely giving aid to develop teams to do holistic community development. We are currently working with Baptists, Reformed, Methodists, Lutherans, Pentecostals and several mission agencies to meet the needs of the poor in body, soul and spirit as Jesus did and commands us to do as well, we need partners. Partners who are individuals, churches, denominations and mission agencies that collaborate long-term with the MAC team and their development projects. Partners will provide the financial assistance to pay national team members, salaries and field operating expenses. Partners provide short-term specialists in the fields of medicine, education, children and youth work, construction, evangelism, business, 
as we need them in the community. Partners help provide resources for community development projects such as home renovations, constructing community centers, church buildings, farmings, starting small businesses. We are a small agency, utterly depending upon Jesus Christ and His Church to bless the poor and marginalized of Hungary. We want to be your partner here. Please contact us at the address you see on the screen to learn how you can become a MAC partner. Well, sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen in the video, do you? Uh, <laughs> uh, sound ended up a little bit ahead of the pictures, but we think, hope that you still got the picture here. I'm Ron Sack, and uh, it's good to be here. I'm going to introduce my wife, Jeannie. Jeannie, would you stand up right there? Uh, Jeannie and I are your NEB missionaries in Central Europe. And we also have with us Lotsi Dorotsi. Lotsi, would you stand? Uh, Lotsi Dorotsi, you saw in the video, his wife was narrating it either faster or slower than the video. Uh, she's here this morning also, but she's taking care of their little one uh, who is uh, was in the nursery and adjusting. Evidently, you don't have any Hungarian speakers in your nursery, so uh, they need a little help there. But it's good to be here today, and we want to first of all thank you for your support of our ministry. Uh, and your uh, welcoming of us uh, here this morning to be with you. It's really a delight to be able to share with you, tell you a little bit about the work, and we hope that you'll join us at the back table back there and uh, shake our hand and maybe take a brochure or something or a prayer card to remember us after the service this morning. Now, uh, we work with Roma people. Uh, we, we work with people who are largely oral, they love stories. They love stories, and so, uh, and they're not so good at the theological part of it, listening to things in abstract order. So I'm going to start the message this morning by turning you into a Roma audience, and I'm going to tell you a story, and then, uh, uh, and then we're going to do the, we'll do the message right after that and make the application of it, okay? So here's the story. You should have been at synagogue today. Man, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, I was expecting that the rabbi was going to give another one of his, uh, his lectures on how to keep the Sabbath, you know, about how to hold your handkerchief on the Sabbath day so you don't break the law. But man, he didn't speak this morning. We had this, this young rabbi from Nazareth. His name was Jesus, and he was the speaker. I wasn't expecting much out of him either. I mean, uh, what good thing could come out of Nazareth, right? Nothing. And uh, besides, I don't think this guy even had been to rabbinical school. And, he, and, and his disciples certainly weren't Torah scholars. You know Simon and Andrew, the sons of Zebedee? You know them? They claimed that this Jesus uh, chose them 
to be his disciples. And there they were in the synagogue, sitting in the front row, all cleaned up, but they still smelled like dead fish. They were there, and, and I wasn't expecting anything, but when this Jesus began to teach, it was absolutely incredible. I mean, this guy didn't teach like our, like our rabbi does. Our rabbi says, well, this is what rabbi so-and-so says, and this is what rabbi such-and-such says, and, and, and let's go on to the next point. But that's not the way this Jesus taught. I mean, he, he spoke kind of, kind of like a prophet, but, but more than a prophet. A prophet says, uh, thus saith the Lord, but he kept saying, and this is what I say unto you. He read the Word to us, and then He taught us from the Word, and He taught us with such conviction and such authority that, I mean, it, it just stirred us inside, and, and, and I, I felt that I had to, suddenly I had to obey what it was that He was telling us to do. I mean, nobody fell asleep in the, this, this morning, not even old Jonas. There was another guy in the synagogue this morning. I'd never seen him before either. He came in, and uh, as soon as I saw him, I, I felt uncomfortable about, around this guy. He, he was dark. I mean, he was fidgety. He, was, he, he, he just seemed to be a very troubled man. He was irritable and, 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 and just anxious, and he wouldn't talk with anybody. I thought maybe he had, he had come because Jesus was going to be there and speak this morning, and he knew Jesus, but, man, I didn't want him in our synagogue. There was something about this guy I just didn't like. Well, he sat over by himself, and that was good because the rest of us didn't pay any attention to him. We just, we just left the guy alone. But the more that Jesus sat and talked, the more irritated this guy began to be. Pretty soon, he's, he's, as Jesus is teaching, he's rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth, and pretty soon he's muttering, and he's, he's muttering to himself, and, he's, and then the muttering gets louder and louder, and, and he becomes a distraction to everybody. We want to listen to what Jesus says, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get a couple of guys, and we're going to take this guy out of here. He doesn't belong in this place. And all of a sudden, this guy stands up on his feet, and he begins to shriek. And he begins to say, he begins to say to Jesus, he says, get out of here. Get out of here. What do you have to do with us? I know who you are. Get out of here. Are you here to destroy us, Jesus of Nazareth? I mean, he was shrieky. I mean, his voice was demonic. In fact, I realized that this guy, this guy was possessed of, a, of an evil spirit, a, a, an unclean spirit. I, I'd never seen anything like this before. I mean, I'd heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And it, was, it was terrifying. And when he, when he was shrieking at Jesus, I mean, I wanted then to really take the guy. I wanted to throw him out of there. We were all terrified. We didn't know what to do. We'd never been in the presence of anything like this before. And then I look over at Jesus. And Jesus is just sitting there calmly looking at the guy. He's looking at him. He's just calmly looking at the guy. Well, the guy is shrieking at him, saying, get out of here, get out of here. And, and, and Jesus doesn't say to us, throw the man out. In fact, he looks at this guy with, with pity and with some sort of compassion at him. And the guy shrieks at him and he says, he says, I know who you are. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And I said to myself, holy cow, could that be true? Could this Jesus could this Jesus really be the Holy One of God, the one we were looking for? But, but I mean, after all, what could you believe that came from an evil spirit, right? I, I didn't know what to do. But Jesus just sits there calmly, and he looks at the guy, 
And then he just says to the guy, to the spirit of the man, he says, be muzzled. And all of a sudden this guy is shrieking and he he can't talk. And the place suddenly becomes quiet. And everybody's watching this battle that's going on between Satan and the powers of the demonic forces and and at Jesus. And they're watching him back and forth. And this man is just shrieking and he's twitching and everything like that. And all Jesus had to say to him was, be muzzled. And he couldn't talk. And as Jesus watching him, finally he says to the evil spirit in the man, he says, come out of him. And this man suddenly begins to shriek and he begins to twitch and, 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 and he's shaking. This spirit in him is just shaking in one way or another. He's twitching and he's shrieking out and he's, he's just shrieking his lungs out. And all of a sudden, he falls down dead in front of Jesus. I mean, I thought he was dead. He looked like he was dead. But then he began to move. And he gets up. Slowly he gets up. And he's okay. I mean, he's totally okay. I mean, he's, he's calm. He's collected. He's at peace. He's got a smile on his face. And he turns around to Jesus, and he begins to praise him and give thanks to him. And all of us breathe a sigh of relief. And I realized I, I probably hadn't breathed for about three minutes. I mean, it was incredible what we had just seen. And, and, and as he does that, as we begin to breathe, we, we say, what an amazing thing. What is this that we've just seen? We have seen both the power of God and the power of darkness, and they're both terrifying, but the power of God is much more terrifying because it's, it's the power that overcomes. And there was a feeling that came over us, a feeling of hope. That this was, this was the Holy One of God. Now, Jesus is having lunch today over at, at, over at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And this evening, after Sabbath is over, I'm taking my son, my lame son, Seth. And we're going to the house because if this Jesus can cast out demons, maybe he can heal my son. The story I just told you is found in Luke chapter 4, verse 31 to 44, and Mark 1, 21 to 34. In fact, Mark tells three stories to show Jesus' absolute power, his absolute power and authority in speaking the word, his absolute power and authority over, over sickness and, and, and over the demonic world. But Mark is using this passage to teach us another lesson. He's, he's showing us by the stories he's telling us, he's showing us why Jesus is so absolutely beautiful. And the, and the lesson I see Jesus teaching us in these two passages, similar passages, is this. Jesus teaches us by his example to make the church, the home, and the community a place of holistic healing of people in Jesus' name. Let me say that again. He's teaching us to make the church, the home, the community, a place of holistic healing in Jesus' name. Now, this is true for you here in your church in Bethany, in your homes, in your community around you where you live, in your community around your church, 
And it is also true for us where we work as Christian community developers in Central Europe. My wife and I uh, are with the North American Baptist Ministry, but we also work with a ministry called Global Che Network. And our goal is to work among the poorest of the poor communities in Central Europe, which usually are the Roma or the Gypsy communities, to develop holy, healthy people. Holy, healthy means in spirit, in body, in soul. To make holy, healthy people in holy, healthy churches and in holy, healthy communities. Holy, healthy means healthy in all ways. Not just spiritually, although that's of significant and most importance, but in all other areas of life as well. Because if we don't deal with those, we're not dealing with the whole person as Jesus created them to be and how they are going to be healthy. Our main target group, as I said, it's a Roma Gypsy nation. But as I speak about our situation, I'm also going to be speaking about your situation as well. So let's see what we can learn in, about our ministry and about your ministry as well as we look at some of the thoughts in this passage from, uh, from Mark chapter 1. First of all, let's see this. The church is a place for holistic healing in Jesus' name. Jesus <clears throat> starts a long Sabbath day in the synagogue. The young rabbi comes to the synagogue and he's asked to teach. And, and he doesn't ask, okay, what's the remuneration? Of course, he's going to teach the people. And as he begins to teach them, they realize that he's teaching them in such a wondrous and beautiful way with authority that they had never seen before. But here's the interesting thing. Here is a church that for this morning really has Jesus. Okay, you might want to talk about your church. Our church has Jesus. Or maybe you say, our church has great music. Or our church has, has great teaching. Or our, our church has great youth programs. Or our church has great children's programs. But this church said, this morning is a church that really has Jesus. I mean, he's really there. Now, the question is, do we want to have a church where Jesus really is? Now, let's see a few things about a church that really has Jesus. The first thing we want to see is this. The people who sit in the pews recognize that they are getting unvarnished truth. They're getting the words of a prophet, but more than a prophet, they're getting the words of God spoken through his son. He is speaking with authority, and this is an authority that demands change. Too often, we hear words of God, and, and, and we say, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to write that down. But it wasn't meant to be written down. It was meant to change our lives. And that day, when they heard Jesus in the synagogue, he was speaking with an authority that demanded life change. But notice this also. A church that really has Jesus in it is going to attract those in need of holistic healing. Like the man with the unclean spirit. Ever wonder why that guy went there that morning? Why was he there? He was struggling because within himself there's this unclean spirit that probably didn't want to be there in the presence of Jesus, and yet this man, he struggles, and he, his only hope is that he has heard that, that there is a deliverer, and his name is Jesus, and he wants to go to where Jesus is. So where Jesus is becomes the place where those who need holistic healing come. 
They come. And they come into churches where Jesus is. They come in their desperation, like this man did. They come with a glimmer of hope where Jesus is because there is hope that, that Jesus is the one who can do for them what the government cannot do for them, what the self-help people cannot, what the psychologists cannot do, what nobody can do, that maybe Jesus can do it. And so they want to come to the place where Jesus is. And you say, man, I don't think I want those kind of people there. You're kind of like the narrator in the story. Man, when those people start showing up at the church, I don't like that. I don't want them here. Well, the answer is, if you don't like these kind of people coming to your church, maybe you prefer a church where Jesus is not there. No, I don't prefer that. So, yeah, we want those people, we want those people to come. Now, there are plenty of churches that have flashy programs that don't have Jesus, and so you could go to a place like that. But you know what the real fact is? There is not a person in this room today, including this guy up here, who doesn't need healing. Amen? I, I, it may not be physical healing, but I need soul healing. I need emotional healing. I need mental healing. I need healing in my soul very often. Every morning I get up and I hear Jesus say to me, Ron, do you want to be well today? And I say, oh God, I want to be well. Heal me today. A church is a place that should be attracting people who know that they have need of healing and that Jesus is the one who can bring that to them. But notice also, a church that really has Jesus is going to see holistic healing taking place just like the synagogue that day. Jesus, notice, did not cast the man out of the synagogue, although there were probably people who wanted him to. Instead, he cast the demon out of the man. He brought healing to the man. He brought hope and deliverance to the man within the synagogue, within the church. Now, unfortunately, most churches in Central Europe do not want Roma or gypsies uh, coming into their churches, into their places of worship. In fact, the Catholic Church says to them, come in and be baptized and then don't come back until you die. Other churches, they say, we don't want gypsies in our church. They smell. You better keep watch on gypsies if they come into your church. They're going to steal the offering. Uh, they only want money. Oh, they're so emotional. They'll only cause trouble. They have demons. They'll marry our kids. It's better for us to keep them out or to cast them out or make sure that they don't come in. Not very missional. Some churches, such churches, have no concept of the authority and the power of Jesus to bring healing to all people, including the Roma and the Gypsy. Now, here's a challenging question. Is your church a place to which those who are poor or marginalized or in need of healing are coming? Is your church a place where those who have a need for healing in their bodies and their souls and their spirits are coming because Jesus is here and it's a place where people have been delivered holistically like Jesus did in this situation? Now, we can be among two groups of people. We can be ugly like the narrator of my story who keeps saying, I wish these guys weren't here. I want to throw them out. Or we can be like Jesus that says, keep them here. I want to heal them. I want to demonstrate my power. I want to transform people. I want to change people. 
I can do it. All authority and all power has been given unto you in heaven and earth. Make disciples. Now, one of the things that we can do, we can be a welcoming church. And I would encourage you, I challenge you, each one of you this year, say, I am going to choose one person and I'm going to work with that person to bring holistic healing to their lives. Now, that person may not be sitting in your church yet. God may bring them next week. But instead of ignoring them or putting them off to the side, that is the person I am going to minister to. My family's going to minister to. We're going to see God transform that person to his glory. The second thing, notice that in this story, Jesus, Jesus goes from the synagogue and he goes into the home of Peter's mother-in-law. And he shows us that the home is a place for holistic healing in Jesus' name as well. So Jesus goes into the home of Peter's mother-in-law. So imagine this. Here is a home where Jesus really is. I mean, he really is in this home. So what happens in a home where Jesus really is? What actually happens there? Well, first thing we notice when we get into this home is we see that Simon's mother-in-law is very sick. And she is the chief cook and bottle washer and the one who's supposed to make the meal. Peter says to Jesus, and he says to the 12, hey, let's go over to mother-in-law's for dinner after the service this morning. And, you know, and he's, he's got 12 men, 13 men to feed, you know, and she's sick and she's got a high fever, says Luke. And what do we know about high fevers at that time? Well, they often led to death because there was no way to cure them. It was the person was either fever was going to break or the person was going to die. And Peter expresses his concern to Jesus. Jesus, my mother-in-law is very sick. Can you do something about it? Notice this. When a person is sick, they cannot serve Jesus. When people are sick, they cannot serve Jesus. Now, very often... When we go into a Roma gypsy home, and that's our ministry, is to go into their homes and spend time with them, there is serious sickness and serious dysfunction in many, many ways. The home is sick. The sickness is often physical. It can be cancer or lung disease or heart disease or diabetes. Uh, the average Roma gypsy lives 10 years less than the average Hungarian or the average Serbian or the average European. Sickness is also emotional. Gypsies are not happy-go-lucky like you see on television, you know, where they're all playing their, you know, their violins and they're dancing. They're always having weddings on television, you know, but that's not the picture. In a real gypsy situation, when they have the wedding, they're paying a loan shark and they're going to be in debt the rest of their life and they're going to be anxious because every dollar that shows up is going to be one the loan shark wants. So we see there's depression and anxiety and despair and anger and rage and bitterness and jealousy and fear. Those are the common, those are the common things. When we asked young adults, teenagers, what is your hope? What is the hope in your life for when you're 21 years old? You know what the most common answer is? I'll still be alive. I hope to be alive when I'm 21. 
Here is a culture that is, is, is also sick spiritually, involved in occultism and, and superstition and, and all forms of bondage, economic, economic illness, no true jobs, just seasonal jobs with low pay, educational uh, poverty and sickness, ignorance due to low education and desire for education, relational sickness in the home, fighting, violence, divorce. Because of their sickness, they cannot serve Jesus either. You know, as we think of that, we have to reflect upon ourselves and we have to realize, you know, many American homes and many Canadian homes, including Christian ones, are poor and unhealthy and dysfunctional as well. I came out of one of them. There's sick relationships. There's divorce. There's physical and emotional illness in the homes there is addiction in many homes, pornographic addiction, addiction to money, addiction to work, whatever. There's all sorts of forms of overindulgence, spiritual idolatry, godlessness, or personal gods. And these, two, these people are too focused on their own dysfunction to serve Jesus or to serve others as well. And the sad thing is, like the Roma, they try to keep it secret, away from others and away from Jesus. Notice second, see that when Jesus is present in the home, he brings whole healing and health. He has the authority to rebuke Peter's mother's fever. She's got this high fever and Jesus just touches her, prays for her, and all of a sudden that fever goes away. And here's a woman who says, I have been healed by Jesus. Am I a believer? Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm going to get up and cook the best meal Jesus ever had. And I'll feed the others as well. And that is what she does. Because she is healed, she wants to serve Jesus, and she does. We have learned, we have learned that if we want to see healing and transformation among the Roma, we have to be Jesus in that home. We have to be present. We have to be with them. We have to drink the coffee, talk the talks with them, have the visits, listen to them. We have to be in their homes and we have to bring with us His authority to heal holistically. This takes time and it takes patience and it takes love to build that relationship. It takes building healthy relationships. It takes building trust. And we can see that, we can see right away when we go to, into the home, we can see that they're sick. We see the symptoms. They think they're hiding it, but it's just there. But they hide the causes from us until we gain their trust. And then they begin to tell us about the abuse that took place in their lives when they were younger, the sexual abuse or the physical abuse or uh, the bitterness and the despair, the hurt and the pain and the spiritual needs they have, the fears they have and why they have them. And then it takes faith. It takes faith that Jesus truly has all authority, all authority, and he has sent us in his name to preach and bring holistic healing to men and women. The sickness of these people is far too great for us. If, if, if I would take it upon myself, it would overwhelm me. But it's not too great for Jesus. And Jesus can bring healing to the body, 
He can bring healing to the spirit, and he can bring healing to, to the, the soul of the person, and he does. See, it's hard. Start by bringing Jesus' holistic healing into your own homes. You have to invite the Spirit of Jesus to come into the privacy of your home, where you hide your ill health, wherever it might be in your home. Is it fighting? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it an addiction like pornography? What is it that you're hiding maybe from other people that Jesus sees? He knows you're sick. Invite the Spirit of Jesus into your home. He already knows your poverty. He already knows your sickness. Open up to Him, into His healing in your own life. Maybe I could make a suggestion. If you're not in a small group, join a small group. Because what a small group is in, in general is a group of people who are being healed together. As they get to know each other, they trust each other, and they open up to each other, they support each other, encourage each other, pray for each other, share Scripture with each other, and in that process, they all get healed. If you want to join a group like that, it's just another person joining in the festival of healing, the hospital of God, the small group. As you find healing in yourself, go deeper and deeper. Bring health and healing to your family, and then when you have that, Start getting to know your neighbors, spending time with them, because God can use you in their healing as well, because you become Jesus in their home when you're there. The last thought, and the community is a place for holistic healing in Jesus' name as well. Jesus enjoys a, a, a great Sabbath dinner. He enjoys fellowship. Maybe, maybe he watches a football game, you know, sits back and has a, have a, has a Sabbath day nap. And as the sun sets, that means the Sabbath is over. And because it's over, he can now travel again. And he's going to make his way to his own place where he's staying. And he's going to make his way to his own bed. And as he does so, he opens the door of of Peter's mother-in-law's house in Capernaum, and he looks out, and he sees the most amazing thing. He sees you. He sees all the people of Capernaum out there in front of them. They've heard the message of what's gone on in the synagogue. They've heard the story from uh, from Peter's mother-in-law. They know that hope has come to their village. Jesus is in the village. And here is a community where Jesus is. Now what happens in a community where Jesus is? It says that the people came and they brought, they brought the sick. Those who had been sick. They brought the invalids. They, they brought those who were demonically possessed. They brought those who were sick and, and those who needed healing in every single way. And they were all there out in front of Jesus and they're asking for one thing. They're asking Jesus, can you heal us too? And then I see Jesus at his most beautiful. Because I see Jesus, it's the end of the day. His Sabbath is over, and he could say to these people very easily, look, I'm tired. I'm going home. I'll see you tomorrow. But that's not Jesus. He doesn't say to them, I am not interested in healing you at all. You're unbelievers. You're pagans. Why should I heal you? He doesn't look at them. He doesn't look at them and say to them, say to them, hey, listen, 
All right. You want to be healed? How much money do you have? You have a farm? All right, I'll take the farm and I'll heal you. How's that? You. Got kids? You got kids? Okay, I'll take one of the kids to join my group. I'll heal you. You got money? How much money do you have? I'll take your money and I'll heal you. Jesus could have been a billionaire. Most people will give everything they have to be healed, to be well. And Jesus could have given them healing, and he could have charged for it. And, and he, pretty soon he could have had a, a jet, and he could fly to all of his ministry scenes, and he could have reached North America a lot faster. He could have done all that. He could have had the resources to do it. But Jesus did every healing out of grace. Isn't that amazing? Whatever healing it was, he did it out of grace. He didn't ask for anything. And here's the other amazing thing. Jesus didn't look out over this group of people. It's dark. It's it's getting dark. He didn't look all over them. He said, man, look at all these people out here that want healing. And he didn't go, Lord God, heal them all. And have them all healed. Now, maybe that's what I would have done, but that's not how Jesus did it. Luke says that he went to each person individually. Individually. What's your name? Alicia, tell me, uh, what, is the, what is the sickness that you have? He would listen for the sickness. How do you want me to pray for you? He'd listen for that. And then it says that he'd pray over them and they'd be healed. One by one by one. In fact, it says, it says that he started healing at sunset, and then the next thing it says is that when it was sunrise, then he got up and left them and went to pray. Sunrise, how many hours is that? Maybe from 8 o'clock sunset to, to maybe 5 o'clock in the morning, how many? Nine hours of straight healing. One by one by one by one. Why? Because people are important to him. Sick people are important to him. Unhealthy people are important to him. One by one by one. And he wanted them to be healed. And he wanted them to have holistic healing. So that they would believe. It was Jesus that healed me. I was healed by Jesus. Do I believe he's, he's God? Yes, I do. Not just physical, spiritual as well. A community was being transformed that day. As Jesus prayed over each one of them. Now imagine it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Jesus has been healed, healing for what? For 8 to 3, 7 hours. 7 hours of straight healing. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You know how you feel at 3 o'clock in the morning? Really, really bad. Let's suppose you're blind. And you've been blind from birth. And you're saying to yourself, Oh Lord, please, please don't stop. Don't get tired. Don't want to go home. Don't want to go to bed. Wait for me. Wait for me. Is he going to be there? Is he going to be there for me? Three o'clock in the morning, is he going to be there? You know, I can't see anything. I don't know. But at three o'clock in the morning, you hear, hi, what's your name? And he touches you, and the next thing you do is you see Jesus. That's why Jesus is so incredibly beautiful. That's why I love serving him. There's no one like that. Amen? No one like that. And he heals and he touches and people are healed. And they don't want him to leave. 
Isn't, isn't that way you'd want your church to be? The people don't want you to leave because of what you are doing, because Jesus is there. Now people ask me, why are you involved in community health evangelism? Because our goal is Jesus' goal, to make holy, healthy people, like the demoniac, Peter's mother, in holy, healthy churches, like that synagogue that needed to learn to heal, in holy, healthy communities, like the community of Capernaum. That's our calling. And it's not just my calling, it's your calling too. It's our calling because that's the model that Jesus gave to us. He has all authority and he says, folks, use it. Use it in your church. Use it in your homes. Use it in your communities. And see transformation take place. You believe I can do it? Amen. He can and he will. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Lord, <laughs> Jesus, you're so beautiful. I thank you for the healing that you did in my own life. I know you can do it. I know you've done it. I've seen it happen in many other lives too. But sometimes here in North America, we forget that power that is available to us to the end of the age because you said you'd be with us and you'd have that authority and power. You showed us that it works in the church. You showed it it works in the home. You show us that it works in the community. But we've got to be there. We have to have faith. We have to have, we have, to have your, your guidance and your direction to go out and do it. Father, bless our work in Central Europe, that we would see more of this take place. We, pray, we bless this church and ask that through this church, this church would be a healing place, the, the homes would be a healing place there, neighborhoods would be a healing place, their community would be a healing place, that Jesus would be high and lifted up and all would see his beauty and his glory, his power and his authority, his saving grace that transforms us, gives us eternal life, and gives us a precious life in the here and now. We thank you for what you're going to do and what you do do. Bless this dear church and their mission outreach, their evangelistic outreach and all they do. May it bring glory to your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you all please stand? Let's sing a